This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, your Celtics are playing. How are you doing? I'm okay right now. I, I hope, you know, I just want to say I love everyone. Um, I'm recording this during a Celtics game for all of you that are listening for the first time. Yes, I grew up a Celtics fan, so I'm I'm in a dangerous world right now. I'm having to deal with Giannis, which is just horrifying. And I'm recording this during game two. Um, so that just goes to show how much I love our listeners and, you know, I put you guys first and, uh, Metcalf, how, how are you doing? Most importantly, how, how are we holding it up? How's draft season doing for you right now? Are you still breathing and kicking like me? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm living the dream. Uh, the, the, the sun is out we got a beautiful 60 degree spring day here in Minnesota, um, where we're on the verge of golf season. Um, and you know, we're, we're going to hit the seventies and eighties sooner than we know it. So can't ask for much more, but I, I, I appreciate your commitment to the craft and your commitment to the grind and someone else who is committed to the grind, given their decision to join the G league ignite is Dyson Daniels, Jane Hardy, Marjan Bochamp, and Michael Foster. And that's what today's episode is. We're going to dive into the G league, G league ignite players. And there may not be the flash or superstar upside that last year's ignite class had, but I still think there are some really talented and intriguing prospects coming out of this ignite program in its second year. I think the best place to start is the guy who's probably the highest on most draft boards and Dyson Daniels, the apparently now six, eight point guard originally from Australia. What, what, what are your overall thoughts with Daniels? Yeah. I mean, I I wanted to do this episode with you for a while. I feel like we were keeping this in our back pocket, kind of waiting for the perfect opportunity because this is a, this is going to be a fun one because these prospects are really, really intriguing. There's a lot to Mm -hmm. talk about with them. Um, and we might have a guest down the road that'll bring like another narrative with the G League, which I'm excited about that one. But, you know, Daniels is the hot name, Metcalf. Um, everyone's falling in love with them. Everyone's drooling over Mike Schmidt saying that now he's two inches taller. Um, I get it. You know, it's it's measurement season. Um, I feel like the combine's right around the corner, which that's when draft Twitter is a dangerous place because we're just all like, oh my gosh, who measured this? Who, who's got the good wingspan? And, and you know, Daniels, if he was six six, um, th- the entire season, I-, I was just talk about a guy that the more I watched, the more I fell in love, a- and I thought just a really smart basketball player on both sides of the floor. I think there's an argument that he might be the best defender on the wing um, in this class. 
just really, really smart. And, and beginning of the year, I was kind of cold on him because, you know, just you always when people are buzzing Same. about someone, you get a little hesitant. You want to be like, no, mm-hmm. let me let me think of my own evaluations. And I watched Daniels as much as anyone. Um, I just did my deep dive on him and just a guy that I, I really do think he's going to end up in the top 10. I think someone's going to be super intrigued with his tools. Um, just I just have, you know. You take it because I, I got so many good things to say about him. I, I love the way he plays the game. I really do think someone he's one of those guys. I could see him going so much earlier than we're ready for. Like I could see this kind of being what Josh Giddy was last year when we were all like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was that was way earlier than we were ready for. Like I could see someone being like, Hey, we love Dyson Daniels. Like, this is exactly what we want. So what about you, Metcalf? How are you feeling about him? I, I'm much higher now than I was at the first half of the season. Um, I, I was kind of like you just you. came back, right? I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you were. I feel like you just told me like, "Oh, I just finished my Dyson watch." So yeah, so I, really I just it. did the the deep dive of all these guys where I watched the, their full second half of the season, just focused solely on what they were doing. Um, so a lot of repeat of games, but that's. For me, at least, that's kind of the best way way to do it. And I just became, or I came away more confident in how his execution of doing the little things on both ends of the floor contributed to the team. Um, but I, I, I think the defensive side is the best place to start with him because that's that's the main selling point. When you have a now apparently a six eight point guard, how much does that two inch difference kind of change things for you? And I, I want to start. Uh, it, start with him as an on-ball defender first because that that's where I think he can be pretty scary. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's the two inches is, is obviously it's going to make people drool, but I, I really do think it's kind of, I don't want to say like under undervalued, but I, it, obviously it's, it's big, but I, I think like whatever his wingspan measures out to is going to be more important, but it's just the way he plays the game. I think he's really smart defender. I think he kind of, he battles, he positions himself, he understands. You know what, really, now, because it's all the films just coming back into my head, like, this is what happens. I just start talking, I'm like, okay, there it is. He's really active with his hands when it comes to reading that next pass. So, like, when he's guarding a screen, um, say it's like a pick-and-roll action, he's really good at knowing, like, that guy wants to throw it back. So, like, he kind of he'll be trailing, but he gets his hands up really quick. And and he has so many deflections. He's really good in transition too of reading um, what the ball handler is trying to do. Like he watches their eyes, almost like an NFL safety. He's watching them and and they'll throw a pass. And he, you just see his hands just go up and he has a lot of steals where I'm like, Whoa, this isn't a fluke. You're making this a part of your, you know, repertoire. You're really just, it's a little details like that. Like those plays make a difference because it's just effort and attention and awareness. And that's kind of why you, you watch Dyson on the defensive side of the ball. And there's just so many intriguing tools. And if he is six, eight, then you're all of a sudden opening up like, okay, maybe he's legitly going to be able to guard three positions at minimum. Like, cause I still think he does a good job bodying like bigger guys too. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a little crafty when it comes to like help side too. A guy's driving lanes. He's, he's digging them out. Like just a lot of fundamentals and good stuff that he kept showcasing throughout the year. And, and you saw the improvements and 
I think you just saw the the recognition on both sides of the floor. What about you? Yeah, and the the, the on ball stuff is you know almost impossible not to love. Um, you know, there there were the occasional lapses where he failed to navigate a screen properly right, or right. just like screwed up his footwork, but it's like, okay, he's, he's a kid. This is his first year in professional ball. So it, it wasn't anything like, uh, Oh, this, this guy's defense is overblown. It was like, no, this is legitimate. And he, he flubbed one play, whatever. It was the off ball stuff that left me a little more hesitant. Yeah. But so I, I don't think he's a bad off ball defender, but he wasn't quite as impactful as, I wanted, if that makes sense, especially given his size, his length, um, the on-ball stuff. It felt like he just kind of floated a lot, and I don't know if that was him basically being told to try to overcompensate to cover for his teammates, or if that was just him kind of getting lost in the moment. Where are you at with his off-ball stuff? Right there with you. Um, I, I didn't leave like disappointed i just left like okay that's probably the area that yeah. that needs some work because um i feel like me and you hinted about it like um on our shot blocking our rim protecting like dyson can he's really good at like the the weak side rotating for like right blocks. which if like, you're getting that out of your point guard that's yeah which is unbelievable yeah, yeah so that's why i think also teams are going to be so fascinated and be drooling over him because you all of a sudden have this defensive versatility um, you have this guy that can also block shots at the rim. So, I mean, Dyson's going to be checking a lot of boxes. He, he's really intrigued. But I do think the off ball where you're talking about, like, he can float. He can get a little all over the place when it comes to – I think they had some times where they were, like, almost trying to overhelp. And, and it's yeah. the G League. And this guy, like, for everyone listening that hasn't watched him, you know, Daniel's just turned 19. He, he's still really young. Um, Australian-born kid. Um, was listed at 6'6", reportedly grew two inches, which is just awesome. But I think the the foundation on the defensive side of the ball yeah. is awesome. Like, he has a lot – you check a lot of boxes where you're like, these are good, important areas to check. I think the off-ball stuff will will come quickly with good coaching. Like, when, okay. you know, when he gets in the NBA team, they'll, they'll get him squared away right away because the rest of the tools are outstanding. And – you brought up a good point about the footwork because I did see that a couple of times where it's just like his closeouts. It's almost like he didn't have the right angling with mm-hmm. his feet and a veteran G league guy was like, I know exactly how to attack you. Like, <laughs> it's like, Oh, thank people you. need to remember. Yeah. People need to remember those G league guys are smart. Like those guys could play too. So someone saw that and was like, yep, I know exactly. You're, you're on your heels. I got you going to your left. So um, no, but I, I mean, I love Dyson on the defensive side yeah. of the ball. I, I thought, if that's the one area that needs work, that's going to be all right. Cause everything else yeah. was, was really impressive. So I think the bigger question marks with Daniels, at least for me, are not, not even question marks, but maybe hesitations for what he is comes on the offensive end. Um, I wouldn't go as far to call him a knockdown shooter, but I was more encouraged with the shot. Um, from a standstill at the end of the year than the beginning of the year. Uh, beginning of the year, I was completely out on it, um, but I thought it improved. It's still super slow um, unless he's completely wide open. I don't see him really taking shots. I don't think he it'll be anytime soon that he has much of an off-the-dribble jumper. Um, and then 
besides his kind of straight line driving, I was really underwhelmed by his craft and kind of dynamic ball handling and shiftiness um, at, with his size, the straight line stuff is probably going to be good enough most of the time, but where, where, where did you land on him um, as a scorer? You know what it is? And I, I think you bring up a good point. Um, he doesn't have this crazy like handles to his yeah. game or, or creativity, but it's, it's one of those he kind of just plays at his pace, and I, I think he's good with um, like reacting to the defense off a live dribble. Um, he, he's really good at just patiently getting to the spots in, in the defense, like finding the windows, finding the lapses. So I, I understand what you're saying because there is points where I'm like, man, he, he's really vanilla with some of his drives. And then like he had one against Santa Cruz where he was just like a – I feel like it was like a pump fake jab step and then just drove and just threw down a slam. I was like, Whoa, okay. Yeah. That, that'll work. I know what you're talking <laughs> about. And I might have the, the sequence wrong, but I, I remember just being like, okay, that, that, that would work. If, especially if you're going two inches, which we probably will say five more times. Um, <laughs> so like, I, I think he's going to definitely need to, he needs to create some, some counters. He needs to create a little bit. Of, he needs to find a bag. He needs to go down to the store down the street and, and buy himself a bag. Um, dad jokes aside, like, it, you know, the outside shot was the big swing that I, I was like, whoa, those numbers are really impressive. Because um, he finished the year with shooting splits of 46, 30, and 60. But then you go look like he was heating up at the end of the year. Um mm-hmm. The last 10 games of the year, he was 48, 41 and 50, which the free throw percentage couldn't <laughs> be weird. more confusing. I yeah. don't know why. Like I keep like, what? So, um, and I'm, I love to say this, so I'm just going to say it now. I'm not a shot doctor. Um, me and Metcalf love to say that, but it looks solid. It, it, it looks yeah. like a good foundation. Um, especially what you're saying with like kind of like a, a spot up, like standstill shooting. Um, I think it's going to be, something that definitely, you know, progresses in a positive way. And and you saw that towards the second half of the season, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying about the creating off the dribble. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the free throw, it, I agree. That's weird. I do think it is important to note that the G league just does one free throw for that both is, shots. I always so, forget that. And it's such a big I, point, you know, that, that probably skews it a lot, especially that final 10 games, or is that 50%, which is just a weird number. Um, but you, you described his slashing game is like vanilla. And I, I think that's just a great way to kind of describe his overall offense in general, where there isn't anything that's really moving the needle, but it's consistent. It's not hurting the team. And I, I kind of view his passing in the same way where he makes the right decision. A lot of the times he keeps the ball moving. He makes that first initial read, right. But he's not doing a ton in terms of playmaking or really moving the defense or passing guys open and stuff like that. Like we've seen from, you know, Alondis Williams or Dale and Terry in this draft class. So are you, are you higher on his passing or playmaking than I am? Or do you think, or do you see it kind of similar? And if so, do you think that he, will could still be this you know quote unquote lead point guard or do you think he'll be more and more of a you know by committee type point guard no i'm 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 pretty high on his 
passing. Um, it's just, it, it is funny because I think you're wording it perfectly. He is vanilla. Like if you're looking for the flashy, you know, playmaking passes or the flashy highlights, you, you're probably not going to get it with Dyson Daniels. You, you will be disappointed if you're watching him and you're like, I want the big dunks or I want the, the humongous step backs or the behind the backs. Like, no, he just knows how to play the game. Like it is the, the driving kicks, the extra passes, like the mm-hmm. little stuff that, you know, I think fans and I'm not trying to call out fans or anything like this when I say this statement, but I'm just trying to educate everyone. Cause this is something I've been taught when, when I talk to scouts throughout my career of doing this, scouts like that stuff more than the you know yeah. the bullet b- behind the back bounce pass scouts like when guys are throwing the extra pass all the time or they're making the driving kicks that's what pops to them way more that's what gets them drooling so that's why it's not a surprise to see Dyson Daniels as buzzing like this is exactly what type of player he is he understands like okay pump fake drive get get a paint touch kick it out to Jaden Hardy. Like he does that all the time. Hardy got so many open looks just from Daniels knowing exactly, let me make the defense collapse wide open kick out. He he's really good off the ball. So it's just like, it's stuff like that. That's going to make him such an intriguing prospect for NBA teams. And um, I think he's a really good playmaker when it comes to like, he's good at, at in the pick and roll of like getting the defense to react to him before he makes that pass. Like I, I, I definitely like his feel for the game. I think it's really strong. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree with you that his, his processing and just decision-making it just, it, it always, it's always calm. It's always composed. It just always feels right. So earlier you mentioned that Daniels could be one of these guys that, on draft night, when we hear his name called, we go like, "Oh my god, okay, that was that was much sooner in the night than I was ready for." Right? How early are you thinking, or is there like a a, a perfect landing spot or somewhere where you would love to see him go? Um, how early am I thinking? <laughs> um. I'm going to ask you the same question. So you're not going to just get, have all the fun of asking me stuff like Portland at six. Oh, uh, I, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I could see something wild. Like I, 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 I still think New Orleans would be a great fit. Um, they're at eight right now. I hope Sacramento doesn't do it just because I would be like, what are we doing now? We're going to add another guy in the mix. <laughs> I still think this is – I think the Spurs somehow are going to try to get him as hard. I think they're going to try to even go up for him. I'm just convinced of, like, this is a Spurs guy. Um, I don't know. What about you? What, what, where's your wild card range? So I, I'm a little lower on him than you. I, you know, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have get him it. at the back end of the lottery, but – Oh, wow. You I, have him that low? Yeah. Why? Why can't I buy you on the Australian Down Under? I just think his offensive impact is lower than really. Do. Yeah. And I, I, I like it. I, I like that. I think he's going to take care of the ball. I really like the, um, you know, the straight line driving, the size, the extra pass, the decision making, all that. I just I'm not sure how much he's actually moving the needle offensively um, and how much he's really elevating 
an NBA offense at this point. I guess I kind of see it with him as I'm not thinking he's going to be this volume scorer, but I think he's just going to yeah, same. Fit, like really help a team um offensively. Like yeah. some nights I think he might have 11 assists, some nights I might his rebounding cannot be understated. The yeah. dude is a, a monster on the board. So I'm saying like he he checks a lot of boxes in a number of areas where I think he's just going to be a nice weapon. Um okay. I have him ninth on my board right now. Okay. Um, I'm a big believer. I get it, but I also understand why you have them lower in the lottery. So, okay. Yeah. And like, yeah, for me, like that nine to 14 range, there's not a whole lot of difference there. Um, but that, that mock draft peer review episode we did ever since we were like, what if we just stopped doing Duran to the Spurs? And ever since then, I'm just, I keep fantasizing about a perimeter defense of DeJounte Murray, Devin Vassell, and Dyson Daniels, and I think it would be a nightmare. And what what better place to improve his shot and what better place to incorporate his processing and decision-making and pairing him alongside the scoring and offensive prowess of what I'm assuming they expect Josh Primo to be. Um, So I, I think that's my favorite fit from like just team need. I think he would fit really well in Washington. I hate sending anyone to Washington because it just feels like their development is going to be immediately stifled. Sorry, Wizards fans. Um, nothing personal. But ever since I've seen what ha- has happened to Denny of Dia, even though he's been good, and I'm still all in on Denny, um, I'm hesitant to send guys there. But I think just from a team need standpoint, I, I think Washington and San Antonio are probably my two favorite. This is like going to be the the underrated because we have about two weeks to lottery. I think um, yeah. this is going to be the underrated thing I'm going to be watching with the lottery because I think San Antonio's got to get ahead of New Orleans somehow. Um, and if they don't, like hypothetically, if it was seven, eight, nine was Sacramento, New Orleans, San Antonio. I think, I think San Antonio would be calling Sacramento like crazy. Like, Hey, move back two spots. We'll give you something. Um, we want to get in front and take Dyson Daniels. Like I, I, I'm right there with you. Cause I know they have Primo. I know they have a lot of guards, but Deontay looks like he's going to be the, the force moving forward. I'm really pumped about that. And yeah. Vassell, I'm still extremely high on. I think next year could be a really big Vassell coming out party. But then Primo's like, that's great. You have Primo. You get to keep grooming him. He's still so young. So now all of a sudden you have a stable of really nice pieces. And if you add Dyson Daniels to that, like, woo, that is that is fun stuff. So um I'm right there with you, but I also am rooting for Pelicans fans because th- I would love Daniels there. I mean, if they had Herb and him and and then hopefully Zion, you know, has a couple smoothies this offseason, like we'll, we'll be rolling, baby, in New Orleans, Mardi Gras City. Um, I need to get – okay, so now my mission is to get you a little higher on Dyson. I need to get you – I, I need just, you buy more. <laughs> the, the offense just – it feels stiff to me. I – and is it I, stiff, I, or is it just not as fluid as you're wanting it? And he's just slower. You know, he he yeah, he makes I, you come to him. Yeah, no, I I get all that. Like the the his mental 
approach and process like all, all of that stuff i i really appreciate from him and maybe i'm thinking about it too much as him being the pure lead point guard um and i need to think about it as him just being like by committee type thing um where he's not the sole playmaker or he's not the sole initiator but if he's a guy who's kind of put if the the offense is flowing, then you know he he he's gonna make the right decision. So it might just be a thing of how I'm thinking about him as a player or his role in an offense. But I just he, it, yeah, and it just feels very upright and like stiff a lot of the time. I'm right. That's my hesitancy with him. Anytime I fall in love with him, I go, "What is he gonna be?" Because I yeah. keep going like, well, at six six, we were all saying he's a point guard, and then I was always the whole year. Every time I watched him, I was like, I don't think he's a point guard. I think he's just a, a guard. I think he's right. going to play along a natural point guard and kind of be this. You know, he runs it. He runs a pick and roll sometimes. Runs a set. Um, he plays off the ball. So if you if you're at six eight now, like I, I still think he has a, a ways to go as you know a ball handler when it comes to mm-hmm. dealing with you know the Drew Holidays, the Marcus Smarts, stuff like that. So I'm right there with you. I understand it's a good question because I think every team that potentially is going to be in that range to select him is going to have to have, like, you can't just give him the ball and be like, "You're this is your point. I think he's got to have to play off the ball to get his feet wet. And he just needs to be an asset in the backcourt. I, yeah. I don't think he's going to be like your franchise point guard. If I'm wrong... And he can be, hell yeah. Like, (laughs) I'd be pumped, but I I still think he's got a ways to go. But that's also why you're saying, like, San Antonio with, if you play alongside Deontay, that'd be unbelievable. So, yeah. So, that's where I'm just kind of, that, that, that's like the, the, the hairs I'm, you know, splitting with the, with those guys in like that second half of the lottery. So they're, they're, yeah, yes, I have him at 14, but the difference between that and, you know, spot eight or nine for me, it it's razor thin, but someone you've been high on all season, um, maybe a little less so now than at the very start, but still high on is Jaden Hardy, who similar to Daniels had or showed significant and consistent improvement all throughout these, the regular season for the ignite team. So where are you currently at with Jaden Hardy? Um, I'm starting to buy back in, um, define buy back in. I was pretty, I was like all in on, I've had a hardy in my lottery all year. Um, because I've just seen, I'm trying to, I could go on the war path with this. I'm trying not to go too crazy. I, um, I've just seen this happen, this same story with guys. We saw it last year with Kaminga and Jalen Green. We've talked about this, if you're listening, we've and you've been here before. Thank you. We love you. Um, we've talked about this plenty of times. We've hinted it, but now I get to go crazy with Jaden Hardy Mania. I've just seen this happen before. This is exactly what the G League does. They, they develop guys to get ready for the next level. They do not care about winning the G League championship. They care about getting these guys ready to have success at the NBA. So they took Hardy, who is a off-ball lethal weapon in the high school ranks, and they said, you need to work on your decision-making as a ball handler. And they put him in a lot of uncomfortable positions. 
And you got to get out of your comfort zone to grow. And, and that's exactly what he did. He was dealing with a nightmare in the beginning of the year. But I've seen too much growth. I've seen the, the progressions. I've seen the confidence build throughout the year. And everyone's going to point out the percentages. I understand it. But I've also seen those climb. Like if you look, I've, I did this at no ceilings. I broke it down like five games at a time. They're all trending upwards. Like the, the turnovers were going down. The percentages were all going up. Um, I, I just see when this guy's clicking, he is such a dangerous weapon on the perimeter. Um, the outside shot is is serious. He's got crazy range. I think when he goes to the NBA, someone's going to say, all right, you're going back to do what you do best. You're playing off the ball. We're going to run you off screens. I think he's going to be terrifying. Um, beginning of the year was rough mm-hmm. because – he would drive the traffic and he didn't know, you know, you, it was like a, a puppy in a, in a dog park where he didn't know what to go. He was just like, it's the Joker. Like I wouldn't know what to do if I caught one of those, you know? Um, so it's just crazy seeing how he developed because at the end of the year he was getting through, he was making guys play behind him. He was ditching off dimes. Like it was such a drastic change in confidence. So um, to answer your question, like I have him 12th. Wow. Okay. Um, and I'm every time I watch him, I go back to my board and I know everyone's like projecting him in the late first round. I'm like, why? I, I've seen some of the guys <laughs> that they're having going ahead of them. I'm like, come on, guys. I, I love you all. I love draft evaluators, but why? Um, I just think Hardy's got it. And, and I think it's going to be a situation where if he falls, he's going to go somewhere and someone's going to be laughing their butt off because they're like, if you felt like Milwaukee bucks, all of a sudden get Jaden Hardy coming off the bench. Like it would be like, Oh my gosh, what are we doing? Or the Gordon, I've seen the golden state warriors. And I was like, what are we doing folks? This is going to be horrifying. Um, so yeah, sorry, Metcalf. Now I'm, I'm off the rails, but you take no, over. That's exactly where you're at your best. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned the, the the percentages are brutal, um, but they don't really tell the story of right. what he was asked to do and you know how how his game changed throughout the season. And we know without that context, numbers mean nothing. Um, so I, I want to start with his shooting because mm-hmm. coming into the season, I thought he was an awesome shooter. Start of the season, like we've said multiple times, it was brutal, and the overall percentages. I don't think properly reflect the type of shooter he will be. Um, However, I thought the disparity between his on-ball shooting and the off-ball shooting was significant, where I loved him as a spot-up shooter running off screens with his movement shooting. I thought all of that stuff was incredibly encouraging. And when when I did that final deep dive on him, it was like, oh my God, this guy's off-ball movement has grown by leaps and bounds to places that he never showed six months ago. The on-ball stuff is where the form got more inconsistent and the misses were a little more erratic. So what as in terms of his future kind of scoring role, how do you project him as, do you think it's going to be more of this off ball shooter, more of a combo guard? Um, Do you think that he does have, you know, primary scoring option potential in his future? I think it, I think if he did not go to the G League Ignite and went to the NBA hypothetically, like he would have gotten eaten alive 
um, because he you saw in the beginning of the year how just he was not ready to create off the dribble. He he's just it was a rude awakening. Yeah. I think he'll be an off ball guy that's going to be a dangerous weapon, and I think he does have that playmaking upside to kind of be or not playmaking upside. I think he has that long-term upside to be a, you know, almost like you're, you're feeding him the rock to get buckets. Like I really do think there's that potential with him because he is so dangerous off the ball. Like yeah. whenever I was watching Dyson Daniels, I just did my um, Marjan Bochamp. I know what we're going to talk about in a little bit. I just did my deep dive on him. And every time they're attacking the lane and creating like Daniels is doing stuff off the ball. I mean, sorry, Hardy's doing stuff off the ball and, and it's just a catch and shoot three. It's, and it's just, you could see how confident he was with that. So, you know, you get him where he's spacing the floor and he's, he's facing the floor five feet beyond the arc yeah. and just pulling it with relative ease. That's where he's going to be so comfortable. Like, and, and now that he spent the year working on his playmaking, now he has that that wrinkle to his game where if he gets run off the three-point line, he understands like, okay, defense is going to collapse. Now I have places where I can go with the ball. I know where my reads are supposed to be. I just still think so highly of him. But, um, you know, it, it's I'm trying to get some stats because everyone loves stats. So just to point it out, like his first eight games of the year, he was averaging 17 a game, but his shooting splits were 32-25. And he was averaging 3.3 turnovers a game. Um, for the year, he averaged 19 points a game, shooting splits 37-31. In his last five games, he averaged 24 points a game with shooting splits 39-38, um, 2.4 turnovers a game. So I'm, I'm saying, like, I know it's a small sample. I could have gotten way more in depth. But obviously the 38 percentage from the field in the last five games, you want to be higher, but it was all trending the right way. It's just mm-hmm. not a guy that walked into this year that was getting hype as a potential top five pick. You know, everyone was like, well, he's got to go down and average 25 and shoot 50, 40, 90. And I'm like, that ain't going to happen with what their plans are to, to get him ready for the next step. Um, a big thing. And I don't want to ramble too much longer. I'm sorry, Metcalf, but a big thing to remember is like Hardy, hasn't had all this experience to play with other competition. He didn't get the FIBA treatment overseas that, you know, the Chet Holmgren's, the Paul Beccaro's, like those guys are getting. He didn't get that. Um, he he went straight high school to G League, and they said, here's the ball, figure it out. And, and he he really struggled in the beginning. It was, a, it was a horror film. And then you saw him get through the mud. You saw him, him work and take all these steps. And... I really think it was an intriguing sign and I think we're putting too much weight into numbers and statistics. You have to see what the reactions, what he was developing when it comes to decision-making. Okay. A lot there. Sorry. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> I just checked on the score when Metcalf was talking. The Celtics are up 22. I don't really know what's going on. I'm just kind of like all over the place. And you're making me talk about Jaden Hardy. Like, come on, Metcalf. You're attacking me in my weakest I love point it. right now. <laughs> I love it. No, we're not attacking. But something that you mentioned with Hardy that I think is so important is the how much passing they had him doing and how much creation for others they had him doing. Because he's so frequently 
just when, whenever Hardy comes up in any conversation on Twitter or podcast or TV or whatever, it's always, oh, inefficient volume score. And that's all people label him as. And right. that grossly undersells what he is offensively, I think. And shameless plug number one. God, we're 35 minutes into I the podcast. I was waiting the whole is, time. Oh I was like, God. you just wrote about this, this is, guy this and we disgusting. haven't plugged it yet. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm embarrassed. God, we have a lot of work to do to make up at the back half of this. Um, but no, I, I just wrote about his passing over on no ceilings on BA.com. Shameless plug. Um, and it's not all perfect. He struggles. His ability to read the weak side defenders isn't good. Right. Um, but the way that he operates a two-man game out of the pick and roll and his interior passing, I thought was astounding. And some of the best in this class. The Whoa, biggest difference- that's a big comment from you. Well, so the biggest difference is, I think, the change in his body. He put on a lot of muscle and got a lot stronger and really learned how to use screens. We saw that in how he ran off screens um, to create shots or curl to the rim, but then also dribbling off screens. He really learned how to get his defender on his hip and his back. And then that added strength has allowed him to keep them there. And that patience and his ability to really, you know, not only see, but think about those wraparound passes or the live dribble pocket passes. I thought that was really valuable and a really important skill. After I wrote that, everyone, you know, everyone rushes to, oh, can he be a point guard? Oh, can he be a primary guy? It's like, no, no, like, don't, don't think about him like that. Think about it more as someone whose shooting gravity is going to force hard closeouts and then he can attack those and then dump it off to the to the big cutting big man out of the dunker spot. Think about it as someone who's run, running a secondary pick and roll. And as the defense is still, you know, shifted to the to the weak or strong side of the floor, him and his pick and roll partner are running a two man game on an imbalanced floor and he's delivering a pocket pass or throwing up a lob. So that that kind of stuff, that that's going to change and elevate his game to more than just a scorer. The flip side of that is I think he's really reliant on screens to get to the rim and to get in the paint. I know you and some of the other guys that know ceilings think he's or are lower on his ball handling um, than I am. I think his ball handling is a little inconsistent, but overall I generally like it. I'm more worried about the lack of first step and the lack of explosiveness by him. Do you, where, where are you at with his kind of creation or, you know, on, on ball creation for himself or ability to get to the rim without a screen? I think I'm right there with you. I'm a little bit more positive about it than I think a lot of the guys that know ceilings are. When people were like, oh, it's bad. I'm like, what? It's bad? Like, I was like, what am I watching? I, I don't um, think his ball handling is bad. I don't think it's bad. I think it's erratic and inconsistent. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like a guy who's figuring out – he was, like, toying with new stuff of, like, trying to figure out what can he do, like, realizing, like, okay, that, that window's way smaller. Um, guys are going to jump on this. I can't be loose with it. And I thought as the year progressed, it got noticeably better. Mm-hmm. But your point about the screens is really important um, because I, I do think he, he, he relied on them a lot. But I also think he understood, like, this is how the NBA is going to be. Like, uh, everything is a screen. Like, I just get a screen. He has really good 
feet with um his step back. His step back's lethal. Yeah. Um and I think that's gonna be kind of his calling card because he's he has so much range on his shot that if he can just create that from anywhere, like and he's smooth with it, it's all natural. So it's almost like a it's like a load up. It's in rhythm to kind of get his shot going. Um yeah, I, I I thought there was more creation than I think a lot of people gave him credit for as the year went by. Something that really stood out with me, um, beginning year, he really struggled when getting in traffic and like finishing. Like I think he kept he just kept trying to figure out how to deal with the the defenses closing on him, like finishing at the rim, and it was just all over the place. Like he had some wild shots, some shots where I'm like, go up with the other hand or or you know, wait one more second and then go. But as the year went on, you could see he was getting a little nasty. He was using his body a little bit better. He was taking an extra dribble and letting the defense react before he tried to finish on the other side. So I think there's some creativity when it comes to his finishing, but it just needed, he needs the game to slow down. And I think you saw that towards the last stretch mm-hmm. of the season, but um, I mean, Metcalf, you went in, I'll, I'll ask you, you went into probably writing about him at no ceilings, NBA.com. And I feel like you were a lot lower did you did you leave pleasantly surprised after your deep dive? And are are you is there a world where he goes in the lottery still that you wouldn't be that shocked? Like I'm talking if he went twelfth or thirteenth. Um, would you be like, I get it. I understand the upside still. Uh yeah, and I'd be surprised. I have him at nineteen. Yeah. But that, you know, that's a five, six spot jump from where he was. Um, because I, I was, I was really concerned about the first half of the season that it because it, it wasn't good, like we've mentioned. But you could kind of tell that the game was starting to slow down mentally for him towards the back half of the year, and that really helped explain the early season struggles. That he didn't have the same strength then that he had now. He didn't, you know, in the beginning of the year it really felt like he was thrown off by the speed, by the size, the length, the athleticism of the defenders. And that takes a lot of time to adjust to. It's not an overnight thing where it's like reading a weak side defense. It's like, Oh, so when he cuts here, the defenders there, and then my guy will lift out of the corner. And it's not that simple. It's, you know, you you have to go through, the turmoil of getting beaten down by that. And he did and kept fighting through. And that is what really impressed me combined with, he just seemed to really become more crafty, not necessarily around the rim with his finishing and stuff, but coming off of screens, whether he had the ball or was off ball, um, the off ball movement I thought was astounding. It was just really impressive for me. Um, and then, you know, the the passing, the ability to run a two-man game, I think is just a really important skill. I still worry about the lack of first step because um, that's, you know, you can't do a ton to improve that to a significant amount. Um, but, you know, if he's running these awesome pick and rolls and if that outside shot really develops to where I think it will, um, then that's going to force his defender to go over the screen every time and his uh, his added strength and craft and patience in those situations, I feel more confident about him being able to keep that mismatch, of, that two-on-one mismatch going downhill and keep his defender out of the play because he 
visibly got stronger. And so, yeah, and I came away more encouraged, you know, 12 would still feel high to me, but what my bigger concern is where he lands. I think he's going to be really dependent on, you know, maybe, maybe that's not quite fair to him, but I th- I think his landing spot is going to be really important. Dependence is the wrong word, but I, I think we'll, a team's going to have to be patient with him because I, I, I'm imagining that you're thinking he's going to be contributing at a higher level, maybe a little quicker than I am. I don't know if I'm there yet. That's that's also the reason where I'm like, if he if he falls, I'm gonna be like, this is gonna be highway robbery. If some playoff yeah. team gets him and and they are just like, hey, just just buckle up, we're gonna bring you off the bench early on, and you're gonna be fine. Like that's where I'm at with with um, Hardy um, because I'm like the the more he falls, the more someone has potential to be getting an absolute home run steal. Because um, I I I'm right there with you. I think you saw this year that he's going to need time to adjust, but you also saw like how important if he goes in and hits, it's going to be the biggest like resume builder for the G league ignite. Cause they're going to be like, look, you know, look what we did with this guy. So I, I'm, I get, I still think lottery could be, I will be shocked if someone's like, Hey, we believe it. We watched him in high school. Like we saw the progressions. I'm fine. I won't be shocked if he slips down the board in the first round, but I do think at some point someone's going to be like, yes. Like even if San Antonio takes Jalen Duran, like we promised we'll never mock again. (laughs) And then like they're on the board and he's still on the clock. I think that's still a worthy swing. So he's going to be interesting. I I just love him. I, I, the more I watch him, the more I'm like, Dan, I, I, this kick and play. I, I just a believer. It's one of those. I'm going to go down swinging. Yeah. And you know, basketball, when you play basketball, you play on both ends of the court. Um, my takeaway on the defense was that it was bad. Um, did you have anything more enlightening to say? I, I, I thought he did kind of fight or put up a little more effort, like defending isolation, um, when screens and rotations were introduced, didn't love it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. It it wasn't (laughs) awesome. Um, I don't need to sugarcoat it. I mean, he, it's not, it doesn't look like it's like he doesn't give a crap. It just looks like he's just got ways to go. That's probably what's going to keep him off of playing extended minutes as a rookie is like he's going to have to learn rotations and getting through screens. But I thought there was definitely progressions in the right direction. It's just, it's going to take, it's a long process probably. All right. Do Do you have a, ideal landing spot for him um so earlier when you were talking and you're like would you be surprised if he went lottery and it's like yeah kind of but just looking at you know the current draft order and seeing cleveland at 14 that was the first one i I actually really like that are we worried about the Karis Levert experience? I mean, I, you know, go blue now and forever and always. Um, I love Karis, but I I didn't really get that trade when it happened. It felt panicky. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I would yeah, say I there. guess. But I would like I would like him there a lot if they brought him off the bench to kind of just be like, just run off the ball and get get your shot. 
Um, Atlanta. I mean, shit. Chicago. Your your Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> Denver's probably not. still one of my favorite ones. Yeah, um, that's solid. I mean, you just get down to those playoff teams, and you can just say yes to everyone. Like, I I know Memphis has Desmond Bain and stuff, but like, that might be their next project off the bench. Um, gosh, Tankathon has Dallas getting him. What a, what a joy that would be for Luca. Yeah, Jaden, go stand over there. I'll take care of you, bud. <laughs> I will feed you. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? Yeah, that 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 was the other one where I was like looking down the draft order. I'm like, oh. Okay, now, now we're talking. Dallas would be like, oh my, God. I'd be ordering her a jersey because I'd be like, that is <laughs> Luca's dream. He'd just be like, all I have to do is throw the ball to him. He's just going to make everything. <laughs> Pulls up from 10 feet beyond the arc. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it's just one of those funny things. Like you get to a certain range and I'm like, yep, yep. Um, I wish, I still believe in James Booknight, but I would even say Charlotte. Maybe it, they don't It seemed that. like there there may have been some disagreements between him and the coaching staff so maybe maybe that yeah maybe changes. a couple um, I've heard that a couple times throughout the year yeah but moving on um the the, the other the other g league ignite guy who's pretty consensusly viewed as a first round pick um is marjan beauchamp um, yeah i i i, I want to let you kick it off with beauchamp where, where are you at with him i think i'm the most excited to talk to you about beauchamp because i have I've had uh, wandering thoughts. It's been a roller coaster all year. Um, they're usually good. He's just becoming this sneaky, puzzling guy for me. Where it's like, um, I get it. I really like him. I think he's a really important type of player that teams need in their rotation. Um like if he goes to a playoff team, which I'm expecting he'll be around that range, I really do think Bochamp's going to be a very great get. Um, I've seen him mock to the Brooklyn Nets. I, I st- think like a team like that where it's just like, hey, just come in because he his motor runs on and, yeah. and it's got turbo speeds, and he just flies all over the court on both sides of the ball. Um, he makes those hustle plays. I almost like. He's like a garbage man. He just picks up all the trash. He he finds a way to help out, whether it's like hustling out of nowhere, weak side for an offensive rebound, tipping dunks, um, running the floor in transition. He's outstanding in transition. I just, it's always like, it's a late bloomer, I think, that is like a little bit older. And I'm also just like, okay, how much, upside is there where i do think there's a lot of upside i keep getting like sean marion vibes from him um and i'm not no i'm I'm saying top five no 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 no. i'm saying just like that that gadget type of like i think he could i don't think he's an outstanding playmaker i wouldn't say he's one of the best but i think he knows what where the ball should go kind of the same dyson daniels thing where he's a little vanilla but he makes the right reads um, I don't know, Metcalf. He, he's one of these puzzling guys because every time I watch him, I just did my deep dive on him. And every time I watch him, I'm like, I get it. I just don't know where to put you. Um, what about you? Where are you at with him? So he out of these three guys, I came away definitely the lowest on him. Yeah, um, and I get it because I I don't I don't get the first round grade. I I don't have a first round grade on him. Uh-huh. Um, 
I, I came away more impressed and more bought in on the shot off the catch. Um, I think the spot up shooting will be a legitimate weapon, you know, not necessarily 40 to 45%, but 37, 38, 39, probably in that range. Um, I also think I buy into the, like the, the one or two dribble pull up stuff. Um, the transition scoring, I absolutely adore. I I love that. I love his work ethic. I love the motor. I'm not sure what else I love. But that's a lot of stuff you love. That's important it, for a, a rotation player in the NBA. So I thought the defense was pretty awful. Really? Yeah. I I thought off ball, he fell asleep a ton. He got back cut a lot. Um, I didn't think he did it seemed like he routinely missed rotations. Um, and then it felt like his on ball defense got worse as the year went on um, where he would make these like weird gambles for steals. It felt like he struggled with screens. Um, the footwork was inconsistent. So I, it was weird because I, after the, you know, the, the first half of the season, I really liked him as an on-ball defender, and I was completely out on the shot. And then, you know, as I finished my my deep dive, those views completely pivoted. And I thought the improvement in the shot felt real. It felt legitimate. Um, but so did the defensive issues. And I'm not sure that his shooting is going to be so good that it compensates for the the constant lapses in defense if those are you know who he's going to be as a defender yeah i i I like him the the problem with this time of the year is evaluators scouts nba personnel draft maniacs like all of you listening we get time to catch up and when you get time to catch up finally, because it is impossible to be caught up on every single prospect throughout the draft season. Trust me, I've tried to drink that much coffee and you cannot pull it off. When you try it, when you finally get caught up on guys, you start to realize like, Oh, I had this guy 35th and I think he's a first rounder. And what I'm getting at is I think Bochamp was a guy buzzing throughout the year. Cause we were starting to see some of the numbers he was putting up with the G league. And now you get to watch the full slate and you're, I think you're seeing other guys are coming up and he's trending down. It's just like, okay, we we're moving guys up, you know, Jalen Williams, Santa Clara, guys like that starting to get a little bit buzz. And Bochamp, I think is still going to be this guy that I could see him sliding a little bit. And, and it's not nothing against him. Cause I, I really like him as a player. Like if he ends up a second round pick, I think someone might get a steal as a second round value, but um, there's a lot of, I don't know. There's just a lot of questions. Like, I, I think he's an in-game guy. I still think, like, when workouts come, I could see him struggling to pop as much as other guys in this draft class because he he's not going to be a guy that just goes berserk and wows you in an open gym. Bochamp is at his best when it's like guys are ball watching and he's scorching up from the weak side to get tip dunks or hustle plays to keep a possession alive. So... I really like him. I could see him sliding down and going a little later than we expect. Like I could see him being on the board when it's the 26th pick and we're like, man, Bochamp's still there. What's going on? And it, it just could, it, 
one guy slips through the cracks every year. It could be him. Yeah, and it that I could very, very easily be, you know, misweighting how I'm viewing these, you know, what I like and what I don't like. And it was just how how bad the defense felt to end the year. Um, it just it really concerned me, and it felt like a completely different player than I had remembered. Um, because he has all the athletic tools to be a really good on ball defender, and if he can do that, plus the you know high thirty percent off ball shooting, then yeah, yeah, he's a thousand percent a first round guy. Um, and I completely missed, which, but then, you know, I, I look at some of these other guys who I have ahead of him and I, I just feel more comfortable taking a swing on them, even if their, you know, guaranteed outcome might be a little lower, but their ultimate, you know, upside or ceiling is significantly higher, if that makes sense. Um, by all accounts, he has an incredible work ethic and great motor, great kid, and I, you know, those are the guys that you want to bet on. So I, I thousand percent want to be wrong. And I'm not saying that I don't think he will go in the first round. Cause I think it's more likely that he will, than he won't. I just, the, the defense just felt way more immature than it should have. Yeah. Um, and what he, he's going to have going against them is, uh, you know, he's going to be 21 on draft day. And I, I'm not an age guy, but when you're talking about a guy that still has a lot of areas that needs to be developed to get his highest potential, he's going to have that that going against them. Because, like, that's where, you know, I always say, like, if you can play, you can play. I don't care how old you are. Yeah. Um, and Bochamp can play, but what's – does he have – two levels left to his upside. Like, I, I don't know if he does. I think we might know what he is. He just has to get a little bit more efficient, and this is the type of player he's going to be. But he showed some really promising strides. It, he's just, I think, going to be a guy that is going to lottery teams or teams that are still trying to build towards contending towards the playoffs are probably not going to want Bochamp because yeah. they want a higher swing playoff teams might be drooling over him because he has that potential to come in and just give them something off the bench right away. They might just be like, just go crazy in limited minutes. We need an extra spark. Like um, I, I look at the, you know, Denver, Memphis, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, all those teams would probably be like, Hey, we're really intrigued with the idea mm-hmm. of adding him. Um Miami even you, you yeah, just get to a team where they're Miami. like well yeah we'll lock in his his defense we'll figure it out because that we love the intel we've heard we love how the kid is like it's just going to be really interesting to to see what happens with him on draft day because I really I'm not trying to downplay Bochamp I like the kid I like how he plays yeah. the game I'm yeah. a sucker for the hustle guys I'm just talking there's guys that slip in every draft class and I could see Bochamp being in, in that category of like, man, he went later than he should have. And, and maybe someone gets a really nice piece, but um, you know, I don't think we're going to look up and say Bochamp's an 18 points per game guy. I think no. we're going to look up and be like, he's a really nice rotation asset. Yeah, for sure. And you know, the, it, it's always tough, you know, saying the word placing or saying the words placing a value seems 
so diminishing to who these guys are um, and, you know, their careers and achieving their dreams and whatever. But, you know, it's really hard to place a value in a big border in a draft on those types of players because yes. it's, you know, do, do you want to take the home run swing on this freshman who's still pretty raw, but the ultimate ceiling is fascinating? Or do you want this more guaranteed guy who you know can do these two things but that may be it so it's it's that range of the draft i always really struggle with and i end up going back and forth on guys all the time and changing where i have them but the the final guy of this ignite crew is michael foster who if you don't know anything about michael foster i highly recommend you go over to no ceilingsnba.com and read the piece that nathan just wrote on him um I I struggle with Foster. I I'm rooting for the guy. I hope he proves me wrong. I just don't see him yet being a draftable guy. I think he's a long ways off from that. Um where where are you at with him? I've Foster's been really intriguing to me um all year because I've actually literally had this discussion with Nathan um a couple times off the air, like we, we just talked about like, man, Foster's putting up some nice numbers. Like why doesn't he get more love? And we, we keep going back and forth with that. The thing with him is, is he's like a undersized power forward that needs to play center. I think um, he's around six, eight. He's still very young. He just turned 19. Um, he, he started having some, some monster games um, throughout the G league season. And I really do think like there is something there to work with. Um, I don't have him in my top 60, but I wouldn't be shocked if someone throws a flyer in the second round, like picking towards the end, because there is some nice tools. Um, he's got a nice little face up game. He showed a little bit more shot blocking ability than I was expecting. I think there's a little bit more pop. Um, I don't know. He's one of those that I'm, I'm I've struggled with, but you get it when you see the flashes. Like uh, he took some strides that stood out. It's just the the projecting him in the NBA. I'm like, is he going to be a power forward or does he have that mobility? Um, because he just seems like he's a, he's a center trapped in a power forward's body. So I, I mean, I'm puzzled by him too, because I like him. I, I've liked the flashes I've seen but that's going to be a tough next leap and he might need another year of playing in the G league to, to work on his craft and become a little bit more of like a, a floor spacing weapon so that he can stick on an NBA roster. Well, Rucker, as, as always, what's the best thing you saw recently? Um, I'm probably going to shoot myself in the foot, but Jalen Brown in the first quarter after having like a nightmare game one was pretty awesome. Um, I like when guys just bounce back after having a, a tough performance. So, um, I'm hoping that nobody hears this and all of a sudden the Celtics blow a 20 point lead. And then I cry myself to sleep tonight because that would be awkward. But, um, Metcalf, I did a lot of rambling on this one. Um, i I learned my lesson to not do a podcast right in the middle of a game because apparently my <laughs> thoughts are just erratic. So thank you for dealing with me today. I promise I'll be better on Thursday. Um, no, but what about you, Metcalf? This was fantastic. And because <laughs> I, I know there are some, some of these guys, especially Hardy, that you've been defending, you know, 
all season. So I defend everyone. I love everyone. <laughs> ELE, you know, I'm rooting for every prospect. Uh, so no, so it, it, this is good. Um, yeah, I coming into tonight, I the best thing I saw was Milwaukee's defense in that game yes. one, and oh the gosh. fact that they just didn't allow Boston to take a two point shot like the entire game. That was absurd, but. Jalen Brown currently having 25 points. Um, he's been just on fire and he's just torching the Bucks. So, Rucker, tell the people where they can find you, where they can support you. No ceilingsnba.com. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Tyler underscore Rucker and I'm also at Backcourt V. Um, be having some fun stuff going on the no ceilings TV channel. Thank you guys for all your support. Like the podcast, we, me and Metcalf couldn't be more pumped about it. We say it every week, but we really do mean it. I love you guys. And uh, Metcalf, how about yourself? You can follow me on Twitter at tmetcalf11. You can find all of our written work for free at noceilingsnba.com. While you're there, feel free to just hit that subscribe button. It's 100% free and gets delivered directly to your inbox, so there's no excuse not to. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at no ceilings NBA, and please make sure to go subscribe over on YouTube over at no ceilings TV. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Until next time, see ya.